audio conversation with Marla Fries, recorded in April of 2010. Hey, I'm going to tell a little story. This happened just two days ago. Uh, where I live, I'm very close to some beautiful backcountry skiing and cross-country skiing, and I was working at the desk and decided I needed to get the heck out of the house, and it was kind of late in the afternoon. So I drove to a trail that's uh, in a very beautiful spot and uh, started cross-country skiing probably around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now the sun where I live goes down at about 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, so I, I kind of had an objective. There's a peak out in the in uh, at the end of this trail that's got very lovely skiing on it, and I was on Telemark gear. And I, as I was skiing, I had my iPod with me, which I do sometimes. I listen to it, and um, the thing was set on shuffle, and I was listening to loud punk rock music, which is not uncommon for me as I was skiing. I was. Uh, uh, doing this for exercise. I was trying to ski as fast as I could, and, and that music is great for just for that purpose. And now, I at at a certain point along the trail, I had what I refer to as a nice thought, and, and um, these sort of have a definition for me. It's a thought where there's no... Oh, oftentimes when, when I have a, a thought in my mind, there's a build-up to it. You know, there's a kind of like, well, you know, if, if I think about this, it leads to this, and then and then sort of I can, I can uh, you know, come to the realization that maybe this is the third thing I should think about. And it didn't happen like that at all. It just popped into my head. This very nice thought just, poof, popped into my head. And I, I sort of thought, hey, I have that nice interview that I did with Marla Fries. I did it a while back, and I've never posted it. Um, and the uh, loud punk rock song ended and the next thing I heard was Marla Fries's voice and, and it was me and her in conversation the very same conversation that I thought about just seconds before uh, I didn't realize that it was on my iPod I guess I had just logged some new music on my iPod and it somehow downloaded uh, the, all the files that uh, I have um, on my computer that are my interview files I don't really understand how it got on there but it did and I and I spent the remaining uh, part of the ski, the tour up, the climb upward um, towards this this peak called Windy Ridge, I uh, I listened to the audio interview and it was really great. I was I forgot how good it was. So, um, so that brings me here. I decided, well, there's a nice little tidy synchronicity, and and it was telling me in no uncertain terms, like like dang right, you should post this thing. So I'm posting it. Um, what I did do is I used an excerpt of that interview. Uh, the interview is about. A little under an hour long, and I used about uh, 15 minutes, just an excerpt of it, uh, in a podcast I did, and the and the the content of that podcast was put up in September, just a few months ago, and it was all about uh, the events of October of 2009, which are kind of nutty and weird, and it was kind of a uh, exercise in self-reflection. Uh, it was very um, oh. Uh, Anya, Anya Briggs uses the term navel-gazing, uh, and so yeah, I, I spent a long time basically staring at my own belly button and sharing it to the world. Uh, some of it is interesting, at least to me anyway. Uh, I will add that during the editing process of that podcast, the one about October of 2009, which is linked in the show notes here, um, during you know, I would come home and I was doing it at night and I would record and edit and record and edit, and uh, it took a few nights to do it, and on two of those nights... I had an owl cross my path while riding a bicycle um, in the late afternoon, early evening. Uh, and that was unusual. I mean, I've ridden my bike for 16 years on these roads, and then to have 
um, an owl fly across my path two nights in a row uh, was decidedly unusual. You can hear my kitten. You want to speak? You can hear my kitten meowing here in the background. She's curled up in my lap as I record this. So, uh, an unusual owl synchronicity related to the recording and editing of that podcast about uh, October of 09. Uh, Marla Fries plays a big role in my life uh, during that month, and uh, we talk about that, among other things, in this interview. We also talk a lot about Mac Tonys, which was sort of heartfelt for me to hear again. Uh, I will also add that the audio quality is a little shaky. I, I wish I had higher quality. I sound a little loud, and Marla, through her telephone, sounds just a little qu- quiet. Um, so I apologize in advance that there is that. Uh, she's very clear. She's got a beautiful speaking voice, but uh, I sound loud and she sounds quiet. I apologize for that. Uh, once again, I was very impressed with this content. Uh, both of us are, are very much at ease, and it does not sound like an interview. It sounds much more like a conversation, which is exactly what I like. Um, please enjoy. Good morning. Hello. Marla. Yes. This is Mike Clellan. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? No, I'm good. I'm good. So go ahead. Absolutely. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for saying yes. And I'm not sure how clear I was in the email, the reason I'm doing this. Well, you were clear. I just don't know how much I can, how much I can remember. But well, no, it's actually not so much to, to remember. The session itself, I have some notes from the session itself, and that's almost uh, incidental to the, to the weirdness that led up to our session. The month of October for me... Yeah. Uh, October of '09 was out of hand. I just—it took me a while to 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 sort of process it, and then I kept on going back. and And just recently, I, I just became uh, uh, astounded by the just you know my my the notes I had taken and the notes on my calendar and all the emails on my inbox that were dated from October of '09. And uh, it started um, on uh, October second. I had a had a tarot reading from William Henry. Right. That was great, super intense and profound, and then, uh, and then October third, the next day, uh, I had the most one of the more intense experiences of my life was this back and forth between um, Stacy Warner and I. Right. Right. And Stacy's Stacy was I've just talked to her recently, and we're going to do the same thing and just do a short little little thing. I just want to check in with her, and. um, I don't know how much you remember of the events with the the Stacy and the owls and the email and and her. Well, con- sure, sure, yes, yes. I I remember all of that, but I think one of the most profound things, and I'm, and it would be interesting to remember, um, and and to link all of this stuff together for yourself because, um, as I've been looking at uh, these amazing sort of um, cosmic coincidences. Um, they they really do have a pattern, and there's some of us, and you're certainly one of them, that have had this going on all their lives. And if people were conscious enough to pay attention, they might they might find the similarities in their lives. I mean, your life has been quite extraordinary from from what you've been blogging and what you've been sharing with all of us. So. Can you only imagine if other people took the time to do what you've been doing and looking at what you you know, what you've calculated and, and what you've seen about yourself for the last year, be pretty extraordinary. Well, it's interesting because it, it's been very, um, uh, it hasn't been easy. 
it's been i mean just like dealing with this stuff is like it's it's not um i i'm i presently i'm a little more at peace with it than i have been in the past couple of years and i'm not sure where that comes from that 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 uh peacefulness with it but um uh you know this stuff freaks me out a little bit so well yeah well and and to think that you are a part of something that none of us can explain or if we try to explain it sometimes it comes out as as uh as uh um you know, difficult to comprehend and maybe reaching. It's very interesting. Yesterday, I, for this for this blog, I've been interviewing folks, and I interviewed a guy who just wrote a book on synchronicities and like a like a like a almost you know a, a analytical treatment of of how you know his theories on synchronicities. And he's a he's a seventy two year old former Jungian oh. psychiatrist, and and. Um, and in the act of talking with him on the interview, like we came up with so many synchronicities, like like I lived like down the street from him in New York, and and uh, oh so so you know it was very funny. They're just they like they they seem to grow out of everywhere these days for me. Well, well what the, what has this whole process of last year done for you? The process of last of the last year. I mean, the blo- I, yeah. I think it's a lot of it is related directly to the to the blog format and to my my writing. Uh, and oh, sharing and reaching out. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure where the ego lies in all this, whether I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, there's something needy and I'm, and I'm trying to, to exercise that neediness, um, you know, in such a public forum, I, you know, that I don't know if that necessarily rings true or not, but, um, I have been certainly compelled and very, um, very much, uh, uh, you know, I put a lot of energy into this, and it's been fascinating in the sense that that um, just the sheer volume of of pages that I've come up with on this blog, uh, of my own personal experiences, has is telling me more than than you know than what Bud Hopkins told me in a way. Well, I remember last year talking about um, you coming down off that mountain and really being in the 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 public being with people. I remember that specifically from our session because you had cloistered yourself away up on that mountain and um... Hi, this is Mike and I'm chiming in here uh, during the editing process. Uh, Marla uses the term upon that mountain uh, t- to uh, to describe the way I had cloistered myself off. And, and true enough, I- I've you know, on and off over the last few years since dealing with this, I have very much cloistered myself off. I have been very solitary, very much the hermit, but at the same time, um, I feel like I'm doing good work. I feel like I'm digging pretty deep into my own story, as well as um, just sort of playing researcher uh, in this paranormal realm. So when she says on the mountaintop, uh, that sounds a little overly dramatic, um, you know, uh, you know the the role of hermit i think would be a, a better term than than that on the mountaintop term anyway just wanted to address that um back to the, back to the audio conversation bye now being with people i remember that specifically from our session because you had cloistered yourself away up on that mountain and um i think that you were reticent having had contact with the, was it cindy there's or, a woman named cindy yes yeah, when we when we were going through all of that um, recapitulation of the events of the um, neighborhood uh, sighting of the UFO, and and of course the subsequent 
um, making a film documentary about that whole thing. And uh, you had shored yourself up for a while. So I remember specifically being directed to encourage you to push yourself to get more public and be with more public people. And you have done that. And and believe me, I'm still I'm still holding myself up in my cabin more than what's healthy, perhaps. But um, uh, I feel like uh, well, you might not be going to many places, but you certainly have been reaching out. Oh, very much so, very much so. And and it's amazing that the the computer is as uh, as cynical as we can all be about you know the internet and <laughs> such. I find it very um, uh, it's an amazing tool. It is an amazing tool. Well, and you also uh, connected. I mean, you became sort of a, didn't you become a psychic junkie last year? <laughs> you contacted a number of people. Well, I met Anya um, Briggs, and I met, um, there was a woman earlier in the year named uh, Marissa Ryan. And uh-huh. I did a, so, so I did a handful of psychic uh, readings. Yeah, so I, I mean, probably less than five. And, and, well, and what was the, what was the, um, was there a, general thread that all came through us for you well sure it was um you know i think that uh i think that sort of i knew what i was going to hear and it was sort of confirmation to hear someone say it from an outside source was mostly Ah. that just that you know this stuff and i don't know how to define it you know like whatever's going on this stuff is real something very real is happening and um and i was also at a changing a point in my life where it felt like uh, you know I needed to evolve and sort of take the next step and change, and and uh, embrace some of this stuff that I had that I had uh, either been in denial of or just been dismissive of or or just hadn't the stuff actually hadn't um, reared its head up in a way that I that I was even in a position to deny it. Uh, in the last mm-hmm. three years or so, this stuff has you know memories have have flooded back in and and these and the synchronicities have um have been in just monumental at times well what's next what's next i mean in the short term yeah. uh uh i'm going down to moab for 3 weeks with the, to visit a friend and she's flying in from germany and uh she is also i'm, I'm saying also cuz i can't even say that about myself so so clearly but she's a um has a lot of life experiences that certainly point to UFO contact experiences. And uh, so we're just going to go camping and uh, spend time out in the desert in the in the warmth after a long winter uh, for three weeks. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So that's in the very okay. short term. That's in a couple of days that's going to happen, and I'm excited about that. And then... Uh, and then I'm not sure the the documentary's been on hold, and I don't know if it'll ever actually uh, reemerge. But uh, it seems like the 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 that my personal writing has been much more passionate than the than the documentary. I think the documentary, by its very nature, has to be boiled down and simplified to to the degree where it almost um uh you know loses a, it loses a level of uh, of uh, insightfulness, if that makes sense. Well, are you um? Are you having revelations about the past more, or are you having more revelations about what's coming for you? I mean, uh, I haven't checked your blog in probably a month, what? so I haven't I haven't seen what was going on. But what do you think's happening for you? You're a good interviewer. Well, you <laughs> called to interview me, but no, this but, is good. Know, this is good. Keep going. Are. Keep going. Uh, um, uh, what's going on with me? Um, 
you know, I'm not sure. I think part of it, I'm just becoming a little more at peace with, with this weirdness that's that's kind of at the periphery of what like any of us can 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 embrace uh well, easily well, what gives you what what gives you solace i mean is there something that you you know is it unknown country does re- reading whitley's uh material and um you know being part of that unknown country community does that help you um are there other sites that you go to that you know make you feel supported well, a couple things are happening. One thing that's happening that's bringing me solace in a funny way is that people are um, contacting me and saying things like, oh, I read your blog or I heard this audio uh, interview that you did and, and I just needed to comment and tell you my story. And then there's a back and forth and, and, I, and I find I can be supportive in those situations and that's really rewarding for me. So that's, oh, good. Oh, good. Supportive for other people. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Oh, good. Good. Well, then it takes the onus off of you. A little bit. And also, I think that as far as being comfortable with it, uh, as silly as it sounds, I think I'm just like at a point of just out and out fatigue. <laughs> like I'm just, it's just, it's wearing me down and I just have to like succumb to the, to the reality of it where, where, um, um, you know, that's just, just time has taken its, you know, has taken its role and, and I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm just, I just, as opposed to fighting it, which is not serving me at all, or denying it, which isn't working, um, it's just coming to terms with it on, on just an out and out, um, you know, it just seems like it's, it's not going away. And, uh, and I'm just, uh, you know, either I, I have to make a decision, either I accept it and integrate it, or I, um, you know, walk around being anxious and frustrated. Well, that's, that's actually an excellent point. And, um, <clears throat> it's funny, um, my God, you know, doing the work that I do, um, I have to recalibrate myself, and I also have to check in with someone who's known me for a long time, and even during my divorce, I didn't go back to see this therapist, but there have been a number of things that have happened that have uh, facilitated me going back and seeing my therapist. And we were discussing this yesterday. We were discussing how those of us who are hypersensitive, which I'm sure you are, and those of us who have had um, either contact or, uh, I mean, I might not be on the same level with contact with some of you guys that, um, that have, but, you know, I'm constantly interacting uh, out of different frequencies and with different energies and different entities, and, you know, not, not only with the dead, but but I have been bringing in information for Whitley and uh, other people who are contactees for a while. And she basically said, are you going to just, inter- are you going to accept it and integrate it and understand that you are being guided and assisted, or are you going to run around being anxious all the time? And I think, Mike, and this might help some of your listeners too, those of us who are in this very heightened awareness have to embody ourselves here on this earth. We have to become part of the earth. We have to be physical. You write me, you know, I have to write. We have to get this information out there and do everything we can to stay calm about it. And it's a real trick, you know, whether it's keeping your limbic system calmed down, whether it's not drinking coffee, whether it's exercising, whether it's running the information through your body, it's a constant battle because 
I'm always ahead of myself, and I need to stay present. So there are there are exercises, and there are ways of being, and of course, eating certain foods and not stimulating your system in other ways is is pretty crucial because our job is to embody what we're experiencing, anchor it, you know, uh, make ourselves whole, be here to be as physical and and reap the rewards of being physical. And that's been hard. I know it's been hard for me. Um, this is your, 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 that's sort of the mission statement of this trip down to the desert, I think, just what you've said there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, very much so. And, uh, it has, it can be very hard. And I think that, that kind of, uh, oh, I don't want to say, you know, that anxious running around in circles thing, um, very much describes, um, October for me. Um, you know, I was running around in circles at the same time. Uh, it felt like the universe was, was hitting me with stuff that was just, um, uh, you know, one thing after another before I could even process, before I could finish processing this one intense event, uh, uh, something else would happen. Here, I'm going to, this is, I'm going to edit this out of the final thing, but I'm just going to share one little thing that happened. Uh, do you know who Mac Tonys is? Or he was an author that died in October. Who? His name was Mac Tonys. He was a, he was a author, um, and wrote a book on, uh, oh, his summation of, like, the UFO phenomena, and, and, uh, he no, was 30... No, I'm, I'm not familiar with who he is. Then. Okay, he was a close friend of mine, and, and, uh, over the phone, I had never met him, uh, we had talked for years on the phone, and he was a, just a great, uh, researcher, and he was, um, 34 years old, and he was finishing up a book that he'd been working on for a couple of years, and he asked me to do the illustrations, and, uh, he uh, died in his sleep of heart failure. Surprised, no oh. one, you know, surprised everyone. Young guy, healthy guy, tall, fit. Um, and uh, uh, that had a prof- that was in October of last year. Had a really hit me hard. And um, I was in Moab when I heard the news, which is interesting. That I'm going back down to Moab, Utah now. Uh, and the night I heard the news, um. I drove home to my house here in Idaho and I had like crushing chest pain. Well, crushing is an, is an exaggeration. I had, you know, acute chest pain, um, after hearing the news that he died of, you know, of heart failure. And, um, and I knew it was psychosomatic on some level, uh, though it was scary. Well, 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 wait a second. It's not always psychosomatic. What happens to me when I sit with people and bring in their deceased loved ones, I will feel, uh, sensorial sensation, you know, sensations in my body that relate to someone who has crossed over. It's, it's a clairsentient capability where um, I will feel my heart start to ache if somebody is trying to come in to communicate. So he very well may have been close to you. He was very, very close well to me, have, yeah. Well, I mean, literally. His spirit could have been very close to you, and you know, when, when I sit with people who have cancer, um, you know, I start to burp. If, if they have an aneurysm, there's a pop in my head. You know, if they, had, if they broke their hip before they died, I will sometimes feel that. I will feel consistent things in order to let the family know in front of me that this is the person that I have. Very specific things. You know, like my, oh, I feel like my toe just broke. And they said, yeah, 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 that's actually what happened to him before he died. 
So you, it, it's not a psychosomatic thing. It very well may be another way for you to recognize whether these energies are around you or not. So, so in February of, of this year, I did illustrations for Mac's book. Um, he had asked me to do illustrations before, you know, while he was still working on the, on the, on the manuscript. And, um, mm -hmm. and I, I worked with him. No. Oh, they keep going. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. And I, um, uh, that's okay. And I, uh, and the, and then the act of doing these, um, illustrations, uh, I, you know, again, this, this, this chest pain reoccurred and there was, it was a really, uh, well, that's important. That's really important that I would talk to him. I mean, this is, this is, this is amazing. This is clairsentience, where you are actually feeling the, and, and the next time this happens, talk to him and say, look, just back off so I don't have to feel this kind of pain. But talk to him. Are these the way, you know, do you like the drawings? Do you have anything you want to tell me? Do you want to suggest anything? And um, I think that you might be, you know, those are mediumship capabilities. Oh, this is interesting. Because in essence, I did that in in less, well, sure, I guess it was almost overt. I, I pretty much said, you know, like I'm, you know, there's a meditative process to drawing. And I, and I in, in more than any other project, um, I sort of allowed myself to fall into that meditative process um, when right. I was working on the drawings for his book. So, well, you know, this is, you know, what I do, I try and teach people, you can do this. You know, it's not like we go to, there's not, uh, you know, necessarily um, in, in, our, <laughs> in our colleges or in our seminaries uh, opportunities to learn how to talk to dead people. But these are some of the things that, that, start to happen when you do access them and um very you could have easily tapped into his frequency or his frequency came close to you so, and, and that's you that was it's very interesting there's there's kind of a, a you know well i mean we live in this present day reality where there's this push and pull of 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 stuff then some has this sort of whiff of kind of flaky new ageness and then and then and it's very um uh, you well, know, wait just, a second. Wait, well, no, wait, no, wait, and wait, I'm, wait. I'm saying this is, wait. I'm saying what's that in... What's flaky, wait, 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 what does flaky new age mean to you? What's, it, it's all about meaning, so what kind of meaning are you attaching to flaky new age? The flaky new age meaning is that, well, I guess by saying that, and I said that in quotes on purpose, I don't know, I was, you didn't really see me make the little air quotes here in my, in, in yeah, my I, computer. Yeah, I, I, I saw them. Okay, yeah, so, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I was raised in a very conservative, like, stoic you know, household, and this stuff is, is, uh, okay. well, it, and, and, and this stuff and, is out, and, this stuff is outside of my, of my cultural paradigm. Right, of course, but that doesn't mean it's flaky. And, and to, and, you know, to, uh, to someone who has been raised in a family like the Andreasen, you know, if they were to have uh, encountered your family, they would have said, you know, the quote, you know, the stoic, sort of conservative, it, it really is all about where, where you do come from. And um, the flaky New Age stuff. There's nothing flaky about this. No, and I recognize there, that. And, and it's and it's the, the, the what the what the the uh, there is that preconceived, um, you know, sort of negative uh, paradigm that I associate with it. You know, just from culturally, and I and I'm and it seems I like know. I'm being it seems like I'm being dragged into it. Um, well, uh, it's East Coast. It's 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 East Coast dogma. And quite frankly, you know, if, if you if you're in if you're in a in a situation with some Maasai warriors and they're drinking the the blood and and the milk, um, you know, 
the blood from a cow and milk, you're sitting there going, this is the most insane thing uh, I can only imagine. Well, and you put a Maasai warrior in the middle of, of, um, of New York, and what, how do you think he's feeling? How do you think these, these energies from other forces or other places are coming and looking at our world? You know, Stephen Hawking brought this up just recently. He said he thinks it's very dangerous to be playing with those uh, with those energies. What do you think about that? Did you read that? I did read that, and it was it was uh, yeah. it seemed very fear based. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because they've been here. They've been here for a long time. You know, it's, the Egyptians have been drawing them. You know, they're in the Bible. So um, they're in every culture. Know, yeah. Yeah. So who's creating the fear? Are they creating it, or are we creating it? Well, I think we're creating it in the same way that I created the 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 anxiety that made me, you know, uh, so completely overwhelmed in um, uh, in October. You know, as yeah. opposed to, and and I dismissed the stuff outright. You know, I said, you know, there's this, and I'll just say it again. There's this, you know, this. I was actually intimidated and scared and and confused that there was this flaky new age stuff, like you know, knocking hard at my door and then you know then it well, was well here here's what's interesting about that mike i don't know if it was the flaky new age stuff that was that was so scary it was the fact that you had something going on from your childhood that was not supported that was not understood that was not explained by your family and when you have those kinds of memories you kind of go back and you're sort of arrested in your development as a child you had no support, but you were smart enough because you're an adult and you went out and you got tools, but you went out and started asking questions of people that are having the same experience. And you reached out to me, you reached out to uh, the Strebers, you reached out to other psychics, you reached out to William Henry, and there was a thread line that was going through this whole thing. You know, Each one of us, none of us knew that you were talking to each other, I mean, we didn't know who you were talking to. Mm -hmm. We just knew that you were reaching out. So I didn't converse with William Henry or Marissa or, or Anya or any of those people. We all told you things, and we were all telling you basically the same thing, apparently. Pretty much. So here's, here's you being mirrored as an adult saying, yes, what happened was real, and you are now in it, and you're old enough and brave enough and strong enough to deal with it. And a lot of people have to go through their 30s, 40s, sometimes even 50s, to have that experience and go, okay, now I'm strong enough to handle this. I mean, my God, you know, at, at the age that I am, you know, I'm terrified of putting my book out there. And it's silly, but that's me, you know, regressing to being in my family that didn't get me, that didn't understand me, that, that you know, anything about tarot cards or talking to, you know, to dead people or, or picking up psychically on information, they didn't want anything to do with it. Part of, you know, my, my fear of not being wanted, not being accepted, and, and, you know, I know that my book is going to help a lot of people, so I have to keep reminding myself excuse me, that my experiences, just like your experiences, are important enough that we must share it 
and honor other people's experiences too, which is what she started to do, which is kind of what the deal is. And what's I, this is the first time I've ever heard you mention a book. Oh, well, you know, uh, it, it's so interesting to me. I, I, It's been in me for probably, you know, it's been percolating for the last 15 to 10 years, but it wasn't until last year before, um, you know, I had to divorce my husband that I really felt the the push to get it to get it down to find the agent and I did it and did it and did it and did it and right now I'm at the final stages of just crafting it and crafting it and crafting it so that the publisher will the right publisher will be there for me and my god it's just like any creative process you know um, artists or writers or even people in in who are trying to do business deals, they come to a point and they go, oh, this is all a bunch of crap. I, what am I doing? Yes, is that part in any creative, yeah, a big and creative endeavor exactly. that, that exists. Right. And I've just gone through, you know, that very dark part of the soul where um, uh, having finished the divorce and selling my house and, you know, my whole life starting over, where I'm looking at it going, oh, please, oh, please. And no, they're saying, no, you must do this. You must do this to help other people. And that's the thing that keeps me going. You know, the people in unknown country, the people who call me then ask for my assistance. It is in doing of the work that I am reminded why I'm here. But it is in the day-to-day living of my life and accepting who I am and embracing who I am that... Um, that anchors me and gives, and I'm starting to have more joy about that. But it's very hard being, you know, who I am. It's hard, of, you know, being who you are, going through what you've gone through. And there are, you know, thousands of people like us, Mike. So Many thousands, it must, seems like, yeah. Yeah. So we have to give support as best we can. So that other people don't think that they're crazy. So other people don't, you know, freak out about the new age flakiness. There's nothing flaky about this. It is only uncomfortable because it's not uh, supported on a day-to-day basis within our culture. But as as what happened to me yesterday, and this is kind of amusing, I don't want to support what we support in our culture. I went for a run, ran into a group of paparazzi on the sidewalk, and I'm like, wow, there must be something really important going on. And they said, yeah, it's Nicole Richie in a nail salon. <laughs> and I said, oh, I you're said, in California, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I said, you've got to be kidding me. No. And, you know, get us get out of the way so we can do our freaking work. And, and and I, I live in myself. I live right next door to Yellowstone National Park and I see cars stopped on the side of the road and I'm like good grief what what's happening and there's a moose in a pond. Um, oh, there's a moose, right? Yes, yeah. which it's is which is actually if you've never it? seen a moose, it's very rewarding to sit and see a moose in a pond. So I can't. That's it's quite beautiful to see that. So, but uh, um, well, it, it's it's a little different than than someone getting their nails done. I have to say. So yeah, Nicole Richie. But but that's kind of you know that's God knows why it's. The, the ta- well, there's lots of reasons, psychological reasons why the tabloid society is, has become so prevalent in our culture. People constantly want to get away from themselves. They want to look into other people's lives. But I, I think looking into a moose's life may be, you know, um, much more healing or much more rewarding in some way. It's very pretty. But yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, moose are. Is is the plural of moose moose? Yes. It's not. It's, it's not, not mooses. Is, right? No, it's the same thing. It's the singular <laughs> and plural is the same thing. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh God. Well, um, is there anything else I can do for you? This is great. This was just great. This is just what I needed, and and um, okay. you you uh, outdid yourself. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, and then uh, so here's like I'm going to tell you a little story. So so that I started this one thing, and, I, and I'll just finish up. And I got back Thank to my you. house after this long trip. That and the, the uh, finding out about um, Mac Tony's death was on the drive home from the uh, Dreamline event in Joshua Tree. And oh, right, um, right. yeah, so just stuff was. I mean, I went. That was that was. Wow, all. that's interesting. Oh, you have no idea. You have. You, I mean, I could. Yeah. If I told you everything that happened, you would. Uh, it was. Well, you know, but but this is these these are amazing things. Now now some people might not be people might not be interested in the exquisite detail that you go to, but oh my God, um, I just had something happen, and and I will finish up with this sort of revelation. Last year when we did the Dreamland Festival, I did a meditation before I went in to read the room. And I said, basically, what do you want these people to know? And I drew a form. It was basically a, um, sort of a, oh, I'd say a, an oval shape on its side. And from that, I was drawing lines down showing how we access pods of information or downloads of information. And some of my lines were crisscrossing, and then I was drawing little figures down below. So when I went in to the talk, I actually drew this on uh, a flip chart. I spoke, did my thing, you know, worked with people, even worked some matrix with them, and then Linda, excuse me, Linda Moulton Howe got up and talked. And Linda Moulton Howe and I got into um, a heated discussion later on at dinner about the face of communion and that was also being sold at the at the festival with a chain and we were talking about <clears throat> excuse me how um how there's dark and light with these visitors and it was funny because we just got heated and the next morning um on the crop circle website there was this Mill Hill, or this, uh, I'll have to send you the, the link to it. Oh, I know exactly. I think there, I know where you're going with this. Keep going. Yes, the one that looks like the swallow with the three lines of information, and and in the middle was um, a line down that looked like a chain of hieroglyphic information with a face down at the bottom, very much like what I had been, you know, holding up in Linda's face, showing this this head it was the, like the head of communion and it was the chain that was coming down and i thought wow this structure is what i had drawn when i went in to talk and then this year when i was speaking to uh dr linkitai who has pulled together the phoenix lights she was referring to her website and this wonderful new artist called uh, brian de flores and brian has on his uh, website this incredible hieroglyphic information. And I said, where did you find this guy? I said, he's very similar to what happened to a crop circle and what was happening to um, Linda Moulton Howell and myself and the Strebers back in June of last year. And she said, well, that's interesting because it was in June of last year when he started getting these downloads of hieroglyphics. So he was getting the same sort of hieroglyphic information in June of last year that was in the crop circle that came down at the same time in June. 
that we were all sort of accessing. It was very bizarre. And I'm thinking to myself, we are all a part of this. Whether this hieroglyphics even means something to us, it's in us. And I just did an interview for Dreamland with this Palladian woman who talks about the geometrical structures and how these geometrics, which could very well be any kind of hieroglyphics, are keys to information, and it unlocks it inside of our bodies. So I'm on a very interesting path right now, seeing what happens when we either look at these geometric patterns, feel them, or have them around us. And I'm wondering if anything like that has happened to you, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yes, I guess you'd say that's happened. Uh, mm-hmm. And and this is so interesting. The um, as a as a as an artist, you know, have you created anything like that? And you've got to go on Brian DeFlore's website and look at these. These it, drawings are just outstanding. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I did a drawing. That I there was one final drawing that needed to be done for Max book, and and um. And I wasn't quite sure, and you know, like the the there was just like there was basically a page, this blank page in the manuscript needed to be filled, and I said, "I'll just do a drawing." And um, I, this is very, you know, where where when inspiration is a very nebulous thing; it's hard to define. You know, where, where does inspiration actually come from? So I drew this picture of of Mac standing at a doorway, and he was tall, handsome guy, and he's he's he shaved his head, uh, um, and had glasses. So it was definitely him. And uh, the act of drawing this, I've—I don't know if I've ever gotten so. Oh, I don't want to just say. I guess kind of lost in the process, in a, you know, in a meditative way where I didn't stress about it, and I and I was you know already past the deadline, so I was already late for handing these drawings in, and um, so I drew a picture of him standing in a doorway with a bright light outside the doorway, and I actually at the time felt really like um, presumptuous that I mean like the implication of like the the death imagery was so strong, you know, like standing in a doorway with a bright light and, 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 uh, mm-hmm. and then often that bright light and almost as an afterthought. And it's, it's almost, if you look at it closely, the illustration, it's just a little teeny sliver of a few lines. I drew a little skinny gray alien, which, which Mac was completely Aww. fascinated by. And, huh. um, so that image is, uh, and, and then during a phone call with Anya, um, just out of the blue, she just you know drops into channel mode, and she does this in a way that's a little jarring sometimes. She just started channeling straight from Mac, and Mac was basically you know giving me final edit approval. He he, in no yeah, uncertain yeah, terms, perfect. it felt felt like I was sitting at a you know at a conference table in an ad agency and working with the art director, and the art director was saying, right. you know, "Great, thumbs up, you know, I'm all for it. Good, let's move yeah, on. Good, you got my approval. Yeah, and yeah. um, how interesting. Yeah. Well, and you know, Anne, Anne Strieber always talks about the greys um, and the involvement with death. Uh, I have not experienced that yet in my communicating with the dead. I've not been, I've not had the, the very profound confirmation of the link between them. But, you know, I still get pissed off knowing that they're in my house. Um, and Becky Andreasen, do you know who the Andreasens are? This Becky is, is one of the daughters? Yes, d- d- Becky is one of the daughters. Becky is, you know, in her 50s now. Um, but 
Yes, she and I have been phone friends for years, and I remember moving to New York a couple of years ago, and I was joking with her, and I said, well, the critters will leave me alone there, and she said, are you kidding me? And she told me about the Brooklyn Bridge abduction, and oddly enough, I had been Googling photographs as we were getting ready to move to Brooklyn and or New York, and um, the photographs that I had Googled that were on my screensaver and my computer were actually the photographs that were on the... Linda Cortile site on the computer of the Brooklyn Bridge abduction, and I was like, oh, this is very uncomfortable. And um, there was a client that I was working with who was also friends with Becky, and in the middle of my session with him, I said, my God, did you see that flash of green light? He said, no. But Becky called me this morning and said, if you see a flash of green light in the room with Marla, then you'll know the visitors are there. I thought... I just get pissed off if I can't see them and I and they're there and you know it's like hey dude you know like show up and you're, you're just here. well that's I that's the same anxiety <laughs> I'm feeling and I don't even know if they're there I'm just having these subtle little things happen and I'm like damn it you know and and you know like damn it, damn it. like <laughs> well it, it it might be it might be really wise for us not to be seeing them at this point <laughs> it's probably really a good idea you know if we get freaked out about the coincidences that are going on in our lives i mean i know what happened to me in 96 when i was with um van prague and we were out in the middle of the sedona desert and uh we were using um military night vision equipment uh and accessing these this place on a ranch and we saw craft and i mean real i mean craft that were sitting there in the night in the sky with these night vision equipment that flipped on their side for me to see their underbelly. You know, I'm sorry, that's probably how bars are supported in Sedona. There's too, there's probably too much alien activity. <laughs> People just go to the bars afterwards. Oh, just, just you the, in your last, I, I won't even go into it, but in your last <laughs> couple of paragraphs of dialogue, um, like I just feel like I just go down a little checklist of like, yep, yep, yep. Um, yep, so. yep, yep. So. Hey, so here, well, like, I'll just sum I, this up in a, in, these are, you know, I, I struggle. I mean, the, the the complexity of my experiences is, you know, the, a blog posting is its own little tidy format. It's tough to summarize yeah. something that's that's rich and complex and, and has little spider webs that connect off into so many different directions. And that seems mm-hmm. to be impossible to, to effectively communicate that the, all the spider webs would go off and so what what it amounts to happening is this turns into oh a very intensely personal set of experiences that that is yeah. it seems to be directed at me well, at the same time that it's that it's interacting and and connecting with you know an, an infinite variety of of others well yes and you know your personal experience is your personal experience. That's why people write books. <laughs> so or start that, blogs. You know, so that the intricacies of situations can be read and put down and read or reread or whatever. And, um, you know, you're, you're collecting for your own masterpiece. We'll see on that but but um oh here i'm just gonna so so i'm gonna i'll let you go in a second here but i'm just gonna finish up i've almost i almost got to this story a couple times um after coming back from the dreamline conference and before talking to anya on the phone those that was only a couple days in there and that conversation the first conversation i had with anya on the telephone was absolutely you know uh paradigm shattering for me but yes 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 yes. yeah but um 
the uh, in that time uh, I got this email on, on at my house and this person says Mike uh, we need to talk and I'm like at that point I was like sure great you know I had gotten emails like that before from folks and, and I you know openly give my email address on my on my blog site so I emailed right back and I was like, here's my phone number and then a minute later the phone rang and it was this guy uh, I won't give his name here and he let's call it let's call him Bob so Bob calls up and uh, Bob is um tells me that he's had very similar life experiences to me and has been following my blog since the very beginning, which is interesting because it would be hard to find my blog at the very beginning. Uh, and... Hi, this is Mike chiming in again. And uh, I have uh, edited out a small section here. Don't mean to be sneaky or coy or anything like that. But the events that uh, I shared with Marla uh, are, are personal. And that is my very cute cat meowing in the background. Well, that that is that's very interesting, and and I will also share with you that when I did move to New York a few years ago, for my former husband's work, he was fired within eight months. He had a contract for three years, and we had to leave. And people were living in our house, and something told me to call this broker friend of mine, and she said, "Oh, no, no problem, no, no problem. I've got a place for you." We have a summer home, blah, blah, blah. And um, this was, you know, I had just sort of connected with the Strebers um, and just started sort of giving Whitley some information. This was before I was working uh, for Dreamland. And um, where was that place that we could stay in before our house was available for us to move back into? Just a couple blocks away from the Strebers. Yes. Of all the places in Los Angeles to be living. Of all the places in Los Angeles, all over the place, to be put a few blocks away from the Strebers, who I had just become in contact with, was pretty extraordinary. So, you know, I started having breakfast, lunch, and dinner with them, and then I started working for them. Oh, that's so, this is actually, this is, I had I'd never heard that, um, that spelled out so nicely like that, but that's actually, that's an amazing story. Well, you know, to be, to be, to sell our cars and move to New York and be there for three years. And I was out of my mind. I mean, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're psychic or not when you have to move. Yeah, yeah, mean, yeah. You know, yeah, it, you just have to go with the flow. And uh, I was very uncomfortable the entire time that I was there. And I really didn't think that the, the job was real, although it, it was very real. And to think that they got us out of Los Angeles into New York and put us, to get us and, and put me back beside Whitley and Ann is pretty bizarre. And I'll also say, I'm going to compliment you here, you're, you're, you have a great voice for the show. I think it's a, it's a very, um, uh, it's a, it's feminine energy is, I think is important on that, on that program. I think that, uh, uh, and you have a very calm and insightful way of of talking about these subjects that can be fraught with um oh I, i'm gonna you know that can be you, you very you take something that that the perception is that it's it's kind of you know goofy and new agey and then you make it very pragmatic and very and very real well i appreciate that mike um you know and it it i've had to walk my own path in that and accept it for me 
but one of the greatest things that, that's happened to me by virtue of being part of Dreamland is I get to interview really interesting folks. You know, um, Tom Campbell, who is a physicist, um, who wrote the book My Big Toe. I don't know when that interview is coming out, but I took his seminar. And to sit with a man who is as smart as, as he is and who's developed defense missile systems for, for our country and know that he was part and parcel, um, you know, part of the team that developed the Monroe Institute with Bob Monroe and who has also been going out there in out-of-body experiences and communing with the dead and communing with all of these different energies and he's very pragmatic and he's a physicist, that can't help but engender some form of confidence inside of me for the work that I do. Um, all Talking to, you know, and working with Bartlett, Dr. Bartlett, who developed Matrix Energetics, that could not be more cutting-edge um, miracle work. There's nothing out there that's more miracle-oriented than that work. And yet... It's based in quantum physics. So I'm thrilled to be able to keep educating myself by interviewing and reading these books. And I do read the books. It's not, I'm not a slacker. I mean, I really do read the books. But it's, um, you know, it helps me. It helps me ground the reality of what I do. And, you know, years ago when I was working for James von Prague before he was even, uh, a fam- you know, as famous as he was, there was a lot of interest in things about the other side, and I think it's become more commonplace now. Um, oh, very much so. You know, with medium and having Ghost Whisper on the air, it sort of indoctrinates people into the possibility that this stuff is real. But, you know, there are those of us who who show you on a consistent basis that it's real. And then I think another and, another sign of the change in the attitude of, culturally that that I sense is very real is the fact that I've been very vocal about my experiences and and I really haven't yeah. received any negative I mean I've received a couple little you know snide remarks but nothing um like you know like I would maybe have received if I had done this 20 years ago right and yeah so maybe maybe we're getting a little bit more sensitized or desensitized I mean the way that our culture in the last couple of years have gone, I mean, we have been focusing and 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 lauding um, various people who are showing us, well, we're human too. Whether it's a senator that has an affair with a woman, whether it's um, you know uh, Tiger Woods, a sports figure, people who are putting on these faces of trust me, I'm honorable. I have nothing to hide, basically is showing us, well, you know, to some degree, somebody's not trusting them, and they do have things to hide. So I felt this year that it is the time of transparency, and I wouldn't be doing this work, I couldn't be doing this work if it wasn't real. I, it, it's just not in me. My, um, <laughs> now I'm going to go to something really funny, my uh, Scorpio rising in my sign would not allow me to do something that would would not be grounded in some form of reality, even though it's so out there. So, um, you know, it's just a process. And we have our good days and we have our bad days. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
and I just think that what you've been able to do with your stories, you know, from the time I've communicated with you, which it will be, it'll be two years, won't it? Yeah, it'll be two years this coming October. Two right? years? How? Yeah, it was a year ago in October. No, it was less than a year ago. It was just six months so ago. I mean, what's the, so a year? So it's just a year. Oh my God. Yeah. No. So so, so, it'll, so in October it'll be a year. Yeah. So so look at what you've done since you and I communicated. It's extraordinary. And and uh, and it has been you know it has been hard work at my end. I'll have to say. Absolutely. Well, you know, we get up every day and we go, okay, now now what kind of wild stuff can I get into today? Yeah. Or we have something happen and we just start, we're living our lives. And, you know, hopefully anybody that listens to you or me or whatever or any of us, um, you know, is more supported in, well, I can do this too. If this is happening to me and, you know, and they're doing it and they've created lives and, you know, you know, I was a pig farmer's daughter from Pennsylvania who grew up to be an actress and, you know, all this stuff was going on, but thank God I had acting that way I could at least process a lot of this emotion. I could be other people for a while until I figured out who I really was. It's, uh, you know, and you can go live on top of a mountain and do all these incredible sort of physical, you know, monumental things of connecting to the earth. And, and uh, it's extraordinary. So Very interesting. will benefit from it. Okay, my dear. I'm well, this has go. been great, and and I will I'll um, update you on what I how do I plan to do with this. And this went much longer than I thought it would, and and all the content was great, and and um, I'll uh, I'll edit it down, and and I'll check in with you, and I'll and I'll uh, and it'll be up soon enough. Okay, great. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye, bye. There you have it. Uh, that was a nice, tidy, pleasant conversation. I, I, having re-listened to it just now. Uh, I edited out just a couple little things, and I noted each point that was edited. Um, and you got to hear me mumble more than you usually do. That's one of the things I do in the editing process is clean up my very mumbly uh, conversational style. Oh. oh, there's my kitten again. Do you want to talk for people, kitten? Come here, talk. Oh, speak. Come on, speak. Come on, purr. Oh, you're cute. Huh? Okay, one more time. kitten um uh that may uh that may be the highlight of the interview the cute kitten meowing Uh, if you made it this far i hope you got something out of it thank you so much bye now (laughs) 